I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me once again to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 25, beginning at verse 14. Matthew chapter 25, we'll begin at verse 14, where Jesus says, For it is if a man, going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one that had two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I've made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master." And the one with the two talents also came forward saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I've made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You've been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you? that I reap where I do not sow and gather where I do not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him. Give it to the one with ten talents. For to those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this, worthless slave. Throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for this privilege of studying it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus is focused. When we read these passages of Scripture, it is clear that Jesus has his mind on the cross. He has his mind on what is just around the corner. And he is focused. And his question is, do the people understand it? 
Will they be ready? And after I am crucified, resurrected, and have ascended and returned to God, will they be faithful and ready until I return again? You can tell. In the previous chapter, if you just back up to chapter 24, you will see that he speaks about his return and his coming. And he talks about the need to watch and to be ready. And earlier in this scripture, the scripture we shared together last Sunday, in the first 13 chapters of Matthew 25, he tells the story and the parable of the ten bridesmaids, five who were wise, but five who were foolish or silly. They were not prepared for the delay of the bridegroom, and because they were not ready, they missed the party. They missed the wedding banquet. They missed the feast, the festival, the dancing. But even worse, after the party began began and the door was shut, these ten show up, or five foolish show up rather, and they come banging on the door. Lord, Lord, open to us. And the saddest thing we hear is that the bridegroom looks out, sees them, and says, I... I don't, even, I don't even know you. I don't know you. As we continue with the scripture, the passage following this one is where Jesus talks about when the Son of Man returns, how he will separate out the sheep and the goats. And then we turn to the next chapter and you see the plot to betray Jesus has set and Judas is, is secured as the one who will bring about the betrayal. Jesus is focused. This is serious. And what Jesus is saying to the church today, then is serious. Something for us to hear. Now remember, as Matthew is writing this scripture, he's writing to a church some 50 years after Jesus has ascended. So by this time, Matthew is retelling what Jesus has shared through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but he's talking to an established church who have been asking, when is Jesus coming back? He seems to be delayed. And the question is, will we be ready? The first parable, the ten bridesmaids. Or what will we do in the meantime? So Jesus tells a parable. He goes, it's it's like this. There was a a man who was going to go on a journey. Now, when he goes on a journey, that means it's not leaving forever. A journey is a temporary thing. It's just gone for a while. So a man's going to be gone for a while. And so he entrusts with his servants his possessions. But he's going to be coming back. But in the meantime, here are my belongings that I want you to care for. And so he trusted his property to them. Now, this is important that you hear this from the story. But what Jesus shares is that each servant was given a responsibility or were entrusted with talents based on their ability. It's important to hear that what we're about to read and study and the parable that Jesus is telling us has nothing to do with their competence. Each was given to them a talent entrusted with something according to their ability. All of them were able to be faithful with what they were given. 
One was given five talents, one was given two talents, another was given one talent. Now, talents, when we think of that, we often hear that in the sense of, you know, I can sing, I can dance, I can speak, I can, you know, play ball, I have talents. But talents in biblical times was actually a sum of money. It was a sum of currency. So a talent was the equivalent of 15 years labor for our wages for a laborer. 15 years wages for a laborer. So let's just say, let's just do some math, that an average laborer today makes $12 an hour, and that would mean then that they make $25,000 a year, and that's 15 years to make up a talent, which would be that one talent would be worth around $375,000. Now I want you to hear that because when Jesus shares this parable, the people hear the gravity of this is immense wealth that's being trusted. So even the one who only has one talent, that is a major amount of trust, 375,000. So the one that has five talents, well, that's a million eight hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. The one who has two talents, that's about seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And the one who has one talent, that's three hundred and seventy-five thousand. So again, each of them received incredible trust and incredible responsibility. And what we're told is the the one who had received the five, he immediately. The scripture says at once. He went out, took what he had been given responsibility over, and used it to double it. He had five. He traded with it, made five more. Same thing happened with the one who had the two talents. He immediately goes out, works with what he had been given, what he had been entrusted with, and doubles it. He had two, comes back, he has two more. But then the third one. He does something kind of odd. He takes his one talent and rather than going out and working with it at all, he buries it in the ground. No risk, no effort, no energy, puts it in the ground, waits for his master to return so he can dig it up, bring it back. Well, the master, after some lengthy time, returns. And when he does, the one with the five talents comes up and goes, Master, look, you gave me five talents. I worked with them. I used them. I tried to be faithful with what you had given to me. Here are five more. And the master says, well done. You are good. You are trustworthy. You have been faithful over a few things. I will now make you responsible or to be in charge of many things. You have proven yourself. And then he says, enter into the joy of your master. Now, when you read the commentaries on this and when you study the implication of that, what he actually is saying is, come into the house. The master says, come into my home. Come to my table. You have proven that you are faithful. You belong here. Same thing happens with the second one. He comes up and says, Master, look, 
You gave me two. I tried to be faithful. I went out and worked with what you had given to me. And now we have two more. And he presents it to his master. And once again, you hear the words, well done. Well done. You are good. You are trustworthy. I put you in charge over a few things and you've done well. So now I will give you more responsibility. I will trust you even more. And again, we hear, come into the joy of your master. Come into the house. Come to the table. But as you read this parable, you heard that most of the parable dealt with number three. The third guy. I can't imagine what he's thinking and feeling now as he watched the first one go forward and then the second one go forward and, and he knows he's next. And I can just imagine that he's shuffling his feet around, probably has a knot in his throat. And, and, and so he comes up uh, and approaches his master and he starts making excuses and then even worse, accusations. He says, uh, uh, Master, uh, I, I, know, I knew you were harsh. I knew you were harsh. Uh, I knew that, that you have a tendency to reap where you didn't really sow, so it wasn't really yours. To be honest, I was afraid of you. And so I just buried it. Here it is. This is what you gave me, so... Here you get back what was already yours. Trying to imagine what the master must have been feeling. As someone he had entrusted, not with a minor amount. So when you hear one talent, don't hear that as a small thing. Remember that was 15 years wages for a laborer or somewhere around $375,000 worth of value. In other words, he was entrusted with a lot. And then to have that person look at you and accuse you of being dishonest, basically saying the reason that I wasn't able to do anything was, was your fault. The master responds and said, you, you are wicked. You are lazy. Now, that is a sharp contrast to well done. You are good. You are trustworthy. He looks in his eyes, you are wicked and you are lazy. You accuse me of being evil. You say that I reap where I didn't sow, that, that I take things from places where I never scattered so it doesn't belong to me. If that were even true, if, if that were even true then at least you could have taken what I had entrusted with you, placed it in the bank where when I returned it would have had some interest, but you did nothing. You did nothing. And then he says, take away that talent from him and give it to the one who now has ten. And then he looks at him again and says, you are worthless. What an insult. You are worthless. So cast him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
That's a hard parable, isn't it? It's not the easiest one to hear. What is Jesus saying to us as the church? Because obviously the master here is Jesus and the servants here are the disciples, us as the church. And what is Jesus saying to us today that he was so focused and sincere that we understand. And I think one of the things that Jesus is teaching us that in this interim time when we're called to be the church and we're called to be faithful as disciples, that it's not the amount of our abilities that's the issue. It's not how our talents compare to someone else's talents, how our abilities compare to someone else's abilities. But what's really important is how do we use the abilities that we've been given? How are we faithful over what has been entrusted to us? I think it's important to remember this. The one who had the two talents and worked and was faithful and doubled those was praised exactly in the same way as the one who had the five and who worked and doubled those. It wasn't that, wow, you earned me Five, the other one only earned me two. It, that wasn't it at all. It was, wow, you were faithful over what you were given and you were faithful over what you have been given. It's not the amount of our abilities, the level of our abilities, the level of our talent, the level of what's been entrusted to us, but how we use what we have. That's throughout the scripture. First Peter, for example, chapter 4, verse 10. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another, catch this, with whatever gift each of you has received. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you have received. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. This is when Paul is talking about the body of Christ. To each of us, to everyone, has been given a manifestation of the Spirit entrusted with something for the common good. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Don't spend your time comparing yourself to your neighbor. I don't seem to have the same number of talents as they have. I haven't seemed to be entrusted with the same thing that they have. The challenge in the scripture is what has God entrusted you and how faithful will you be with what you've received? I think the other thing that Jesus teaches us here is that whenever we are faithful to use what we have for the glory of God, God will bless that. The one who had five is blessed. You now have ten. The one who has two is blessed. Now you have four. The challenge was the one who had one didn't do anything and ended up with nothing. When we use what we have for the glory of God... God will bless it. And remember this, the one who is punished is the one who does not even try. The one who's punished 
is not punished for the amount. The punishment is for the fact that you didn't even try. You lazy slave. You wicked slave. Why wicked? Because he tried to blame the master rather than going, I messed up. I wasn't faithful. I did the wrong thing. I, I didn't serve you faithfully. I buried the talent. He turns it. It's not my fault. Can't be my fault. Has to be somebody else's fault. So I knew you were dishonest. That's why I did it. I did it because I knew you would reap where you didn't. So actually I was afraid. That's why I did it. So here, this is what's yours. Everything is always somebody else's fault. Have you ever noticed that we have a tendency to always look at someone else rather than looking at us? You see it in Genesis chapter 3 when sin entered into the world, when God had created and the Adam, the human being, and Eve were there in the garden, have everything you want except for this fruit of this tree. And of course, then they go ahead and eat from it anyway. And when God comes into the garden, what have you done? Adam goes, and this is chapter 3, verse 12. I love the scripture. Adam says, the woman you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. I mean, I love that. First of all, it's the woman. And actually, it's your fault, God, because you gave her to me. Not my fault. God looks over at Eve. And Eve then goes, well, actually, it was the serpent. The serpent tricked me. Either way, it's not my fault. It's not my fault that I chose to be unfaithful. It's not my fault that I chose not to be a good steward. It's yours, somebody else. It's actually yours, God. So the challenge is the one who's punished is the one who doesn't even try. And one of the reasons was not only was he lazy, he was wicked. And rather than being honest with himself, he, he actually points the finger somewhere else. Dr. Doug Hare, the late Dr. Doug Hare, who was at Pittsburgh Theological Seminary, in, in his commentary on the Gospel of Matthew, he says this, he, meaning this third servant, is interested only in himself. And consequently, security, not service, is his goal. Catch this. He is interested only in himself. And consequently... Security, not service, is his goal. He goes on. There is not the slightest trace of gratitude that this master trusted him with so great a sum. Respect for his master is limited to a grudging acknowledgement of power. I'm just angry that you even have authority over me. No acknowledgement at all that he had been blessed with responsibility. So God has trusted all of us, given all of us blessings and talents and abilities, things we can use for the glory of God. Tom Long, Dr. Tom Long of Emory University, Candler School of Theology, who was a great biblical scholar and preacher, actually takes it up a notch and reminds us that this is not only about what we've been entrusted, it's about the fact that we have been entrusted with the gospel itself, the good news of Jesus Christ itself, the saving grace of Jesus Christ itself. 
And he says, this parable is a disturbing story about what Christians do or do not do with the gospel as they wait for the kingdom of God. Well, that takes it a whole different level, doesn't it? That this parable is asking, what are we doing with the good news of Jesus Christ as we're in the between times of when Jesus came on the earth among us the first time and his return now? Kind of reminds us of something Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on a rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them, not faithful stewards of them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell. And great was its fall. Jesus was focused. He knew his time on earth was very limited, and the cross was just around the corner. And he was entrusting to his disciples, to the church, to us, to you, and to me. The gospel, the good news, our neighbors and those that he loves, to be the church, the body of Christ, and to each of us was given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And Jesus' question for us today so just, will you try? Will you be faithful? And will you trust that I will bless whatever you're doing and will multiply it for the glory of God? But will you treasure what I've given you and do your best to be a faithful servant? You, you are good. You are trustworthy. Well done. Enter into the kingdom. Amen.